This is Mitchell McLam, lead pastor of Sapona Road Church in Fayetteville, North Carolina. We're so excited you found our podcast. Our prayer is that you're blessed by today's message. If you would like more information about Sapona Road Church or would like to give to this ministry, please visit our website at saponaroadchurch.com. We hope you have a great day and enjoy today's message. continue this conversation that I started with you last week. I told you it's so easy for me to pick on Jonah whenever I first start studying this and I looked at it. That Micah even literally caught me laughing out loud a couple times as I just looked at some of the dumb decisions that Jonah made. And I mean, God tells you to go somewhere, you go the opposite direction. It just doesn't sound very wise. But then it got real for a few minutes, and I told you that I see myself in Jonah. And I believe if all of us would be honest, we all find ourselves in some way, shape, or form in relation to this story, in relation to the life that Jonah lived that didn't really make a lot of sense. But if we're honest, does our life really make sense most of the time? No. So just to catch you up for a moment, you should know this story maybe. I Maybe you don't, but Jonah's a prophet that God's told to go, and he's told to go to Nineveh and prophesy to the Ninevites that destruction's coming. If you don't change your ways, if you don't turn around and follow God, he's going to destroy your land, destroy your people. And Jonah was so hard-hearted toward these people that he did the opposite. He went the opposite direction, and he took a turn and literally went in the other physical direction, and it costed him time, it costed him money, and it was way more effort to go way, 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 way many more miles out of the way than if he just went where he was supposed to go in the first place. And in the process, he gets out on the sea, and he's there. He's on a boat with some guys, and he bought a ticket, and they're heading across the sea, and this huge storm comes up, and the Bible says that God hurled the sea, he hurled the wind into the sea and caused the storm. I'm sorry, but sometimes things happen out of our disobedience. Bad things happen to good people. But God also has a way of getting our attention and our disobedience as well. So he hurls the storm, and these guys are terrified, and they realize Jonah's asleep down in the boat because many times in the middle of our circumstance, in the middle of our storm, we want to find a way to sleep through it, right? We're trying to find a way to check out rather than facing it head on. And so the captain goes down. He says, hey, you need to get up. Don't you realize we're about to die? And they're losing their cargo. They're, they're throwing stuff overboard, and I told you that our circumstance, the situation we allow ourselves to get in, causes harm to the people around us. Those people on that boat with with Jonah that had no business, uh, they had no reconciliation whatsoever with this whole ordeal. They are losing their self. They're losing their possessions. They're struggling on their own because of Jonah's disobedience. Our disobedience affects everybody around us. 
And so they cast lots, and the lots fall on Jonah. They're basically rolling dice to realize whose fault it is. And they're leaving it up to the gods to determine who's responsible for the situation. And it tells them that Jonah's responsible. And Jonah said, well, I'm a Hebrew. I'm a person of God, and actually I'm not doing what he's called me to do. God's never called you to do something, and you didn't do it. You're miserable. I walked around Lee University's campus this week, and I knew at 16 years old I was called into ministry, but was determined that I was not going to fulfill that call. And I went to Lee University twice because I knew that my heart was saying, you need to get prepared for what God's got for you. You need to do this. And I left both times because I'm running from the call and was absolutely miserable until I finally accepted who I am, who God's created me to be, who God's called me to be, and began walking in my purpose. Jonah said, you want the storm to stop? Throw me in the ocean. And these random guys on this boat headed to Tarshish, they had to be like, no, there's no way we can do this, man. I'm sorry. I hear you, but no. So they start trying everything they can, and then finally they get to the point, all right, we're going to throw you overboard. God, forgive us. Don't punish us for this man's, this man's terrible decisions, his disobedience. Don't punish us for his death. They throw him over, and the Bible says immediately the storm stops. Because sometimes we just have to jump in and have enough faith, and then it'll stop, right? And that's where we pick up. And verse 17 of chapter 1 says, The Lord had arranged a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was made, or was inside the fish for three days and three nights. And then we step into a time of prayer from Jonah. This whole second chapter, the way that the Bible, the, the Bible was translated and the way the verses and chapters were broken down, this entire second chapter is a prayer that Jonah prayed. And this is very interesting. He says, I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead, and Lord, you heard me. You threw me into the ocean depths. I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. Then I said, O oh Lord, you've driven me from your presence, yet I will look once more toward your holy temple. Jonah's sinking. He's been thrown overboard. He's made it to the belly of the fish. Verse 1 says, Then Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from the inside of the fish. Many scholars much smarter than I am believe that this was probably a sperm whale or a whale shark. It literally was a fish that come through and scooped him up. And I've seen too many cartoons and too many VeggieTales. So I picture Jonah and I, I think of Pinocchio too. Remember Pinocchio was in the belly of the fish? I see him kind of sitting on some old fish carcass, and I see him sit down, and he's praying this, Lord, I was sinking, and you brought me out. And I, my mind's eye does not process this the best, because if I'm in the belly of a fish, 
really know exactly what I'm doing, but I don't, I don't know me personally that I'm stopping to sit down and take a moment and thank God for letting me get swallowed by a fish. Right? I might would prefer to drown. Come on. He said, I, I look to you. I cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. I called to you from the land of the dead. Lord, you heard me. As I'm sinking, as I'm drowning, as I'm watching the boat disappear above me, I'm watching the waters get darker and darker. I cry out, Lord, and you save me. If you read that and you don't know the backstory of this, you think that God has put him on an island of paradise, right? He's right there from the belly of a fish. I don't see salvation. I'm in the belly of a fish. You threw me in the ocean depths, and I sank to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. He's identifying again whose the ocean is. I was disobedient. You threw me in the ocean. He's recognizing I realize who I am. I'm submitting to the authority. I'm submitting to the fact I was disobedient. Your waves have overtaken me. That's really hard for us to grasp sometimes, and We've talked about it several times, more so on Wednesday nights, how people look at us, and uh, I believe you were talking about a guy that you met that said, man, all this Christianity stuff doesn't make any sense because life is still hard as a Christian. Well, yeah, we live the same life. And sometimes waves knock us down. He said, you threw me out of the boat, you threw me into the ocean, and then I sank down and your waves engulfed me. Verse 4, he says, oh, Lord, you've driven me from your presence. I love the translation. One translation says you've driven me out of your sight. He said, but I will look once more toward your holy temple. I struggle with that. Because in my times when I'm sinking, when I've fallen off the boat, whether it be because of my stupidity and disobedience or whether it be just because I'm drowning in life. I have a hard time seeing light. Right? When I'm in my low point, when I'm struggling, when I look around and I got a beautiful family at home and a beautiful family here, but I still find myself feeling like I'm grasping for air, just trying to catch a breath, I don't see much light. And Jonah says, you've cast me out of your presence, you've cast me out of your sight, but yet I'll look again to your holy temple. Jonah taught me something in that, that little line. Sometimes the only thing that I can do, the only thing that I can grab and hold on to is the vision of what's to come. I've talked with a lot of people. I'm not going to say I counsel because I don't believe that I really counsel. I've listened and I've heard 
And I've done my best to pour out what the Holy Spirit would give to a lot of people that feel like they're sinking. The last thing that they want to do, what, what they have absolutely none of, is vision of the future. They're in a moment. And they don't see an end. They know that eventually the bottom of the ocean floor is coming. Lungs are going to fill up with water. And they're going to be done. Right? You think about your deepest, darkest moment of grief, of sorrow, whatever you've been through. It literally feels like you're going to drown. Right? There's not light. And I was encouraged by Jonah as he said, in my deepest, darkest moment, God himself has cast me out of his presence. He's put me out of his vision. He's put me out of the place that he could see where I was at. Feeling like he was completely gone. He said, I maintain my hope. I maintain my vision. I'll look again to your holy temple. You've got to have the vision. I'm not talking about the same kind of vision that I believe that I'm supposed to have as a leader for this body. I'm talking about you've got to have a vision of hope that the end is not you hitting the bottom of the ocean. Talk about the little things. It's not the end. He said, I sank beneath the waves. The waters closed over me. Seaweed wrapped around my head. So many times you and I feel, I hope that you're just happy, joyous people and you never struggle. If you are, I need the answer. And I know it's Jesus, but Jesus is the hope through the struggle. Jesus is not the answer, not the struggle. I got that answer. You've got a way to avoid the struggle. I need to know that one. He said, the waves covered my head. I feel like often I'm in over my head. I bite off way more than I can chew very often. I'm thankful I got a big mouth. I'm thankful that I don't gag on what it is I bite off. But in the grand scheme of things, I bite off more than I can chew. A weakness of mine is I have a hard time telling somebody no. And he said, that's the place that I was at where I felt like I was in over my head. And I love that he put the point, I mean, I don't really know. I've never drowned. I've never been at that point where I'm seeking to the depths of the ocean. But as he sits back, again, I picture the scene from Pinocchio, and he's just chilling. And he's thinking back over this process. He said, you know, I remember seaweed wrapped around my head. I don't know that I would do that, but I'm thankful that Jonah did. Because I believe wholeheartedly what he was trying to say in this process was when when the effects of the ocean, when all the spillover, the seaweed is just a reaction to the ocean you go in the water you got plants right 
the elements of the sea. The elements of the struggle surrounded his head. And when it surrounded his head, it took away his vision. He couldn't see. And I thought about me, and I thought of all the struggles that I've been through, and I thought about my lowest points, that the enemy only took away my vision. He couldn't take away my strength. He couldn't take away my power. The only thing he had access to, he, he had no access within me. He had a way to put the elements of the ocean, the elements of the struggle, wrapped around my head so that I couldn't see, and I felt like my brain was captive to the situation. He took my vision and he took my thoughts. I told you some of my story last week, and I knew without a doubt, walking into my journey, I knew who I was. I know what I'm called to do. I've been raised up. I've been through my trainings. I've been through what I'm supposed to go through. I've studied the word. Continuing on to get better. We should be bettering ourselves. But I knew who I was. But when I got in the ocean and I started stinking and, and sinking and I felt like everything was over my head, the seaweed, the effects of what I was in begin to wrap theirself around my mind. And my thoughts become very, very cloudy. I no longer saw the vision of who I was created to be. I no longer saw the vision of where I was created to go. I didn't see an outcome. And so because I didn't see an outcome and because my thoughts were then captive and stuck and I was blind by the effects of the sea, I sank. And I love how Jonah's just portrayed this for us and he said, when the waves had engulfed me and were over my head and the seaweed had wrapped itself around my head, what if he'd have just reached up and took it and pulled it away? What if I had have just reached up and took the effects of my circumstance, the, the effects of the storm, the, the aftermath, the, the junk that was just all part of the situation? What if I had have reached up and pulled it off my face so that I could see light again? can't imagine what this felt like. And then he starts talking about how low he got. He said, I sank, in verse 6, I sank to the very roots of the mountains. I never really thought about that process, that, that concept. I love the mountains. The videos these boys are going to put together next week to show you of our trip. There's a lot of mountain scenery because we were so excited on day one, that's what we took pictures of. I love the mountains. He talked about at one point one of the highlights of youth ministry for me and one of his favorite trips that we went on was we went to Grandfather Mountain and we climbed the top of that mountain and I've told you that story. I love being on top of the mountain. But I never really thought about the bottom of the mountain. You ever seen the bottom of the mountain? You think you have. You think it's in the valley. But according to Jonah, it's in the bottom of the ocean. I thought I had seen the bottom. 
when I was in the valley in between mountaintop and mountaintop, when I was down in, in the bottom, I thought that was it. But realistically, the bottom is not seen by ordinary people. It's so low and it's a place so deep and so dark. Most people don't see the root of the mountain unless you go there. He said, I was imprisoned in the earth whose gates locked shut forever. I think he had probably, like you and I have done, many times and would do in this situation, had already defeated himself in his mind. I'm done. I'm doomed. He didn't say he was, he, he didn't give us this whole process while he's sinking. He's sitting in the belly of the fish reflecting back. At the root of the mountains, in the deepest most part of the ocean, almost on the bottom the lowest point that I could possibly go. I was on the brink of death. He said, where earth locks us shut forever. I love that next line. He said, but you, O Lord my God, snatched me from the jaws of death. As my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord and my earnest prayer went out to your holy temple. This is the dude that went the opposite direction from the presence of God, remember? And it took him laying on the bottom of the ocean to send out an earnest prayer. Those who worship false gods turn their back on all God's mercies, but I'll offer sacrifices to you with songs of praise. I'll fulfill all my vows for my salvation comes from the Lord alone. He's in the ocean. He said, in the middle of the place I'm about to die, I'm offering this earnest prayer, and I'm going to offer a sacrifice of praise. Lord, have mercy. Some of us can't offer that when times are good. And he's on the bottom of the ocean floor. He said, and I cried out and you heard my cry. Thank you, oh God of salvation. Do you realize his salvation was a fish eating him? That's the part that got me through this whole process as I studied and I tried to navigate my through the navigate my way through how the Lord wanted me to present this. I'm mind blown by the fact this beautiful prayer, prayer of praise does not take place when he's threw up on the beach. It don't take place when he gets there. His salvation was when he was eaten by the fish. What if he'd have died? I believe he had faith enough to believe that the fish was going to be his salvation. But at the same time, this is the dude that was just thrown off the boat and sinking to the bottom of the ocean. How is dying in the fish's belly any better than drowning in the ocean? It's not. All it was was a glimpse of hope for him. And you know the deal. Verse 10 says, 
Now the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach. Here's how I'm where I'm getting this whole roundabout thought process. I know it's not been very organized, but I need you to hear my heart. Long, long, long before Jonah was ever even a thought process, God knew he would disobey. He knew he'd find himself in the middle of the ocean. He knew that he would be knocking on death's door, the earth that locks up and it don't release. And he said, you know what? I need to create a big fish. I've got to create a big fish. God knew the plan. Jonah didn't. I mean, realistically, Jonah's, this entire thing for Jonah is the outcome of his dumb decision to say, I'm not doing what you said, God. I'm going the opposite direction. But God said, I've got to create a fish. And I believe all Jonah had, I, I don't think he knew what the outcome was going to be. I don't believe it was a talking fish. All you think about is fighting Nemo. Jonah, get in my mouth. I don't think that happened. I think at the brink of the lowest point of Jonah's life, somehow, some way, some shape, some form, God used a nasty, stinky fish to give him a breath of air. And let him catch himself to have a glimpse of hope of what might come. What if, what if realistically in Jonah's mind, I'm just, just me and you talking. What if the purpose of the fish was to give Jonah enough air to pray that prayer? What if the purpose of the fish, Jonah could have been content. What if, the, what if the purpose of the fish, as far as Jonah knew, was to give him enough breath to give praises to God for saving him from the bottom of the ocean? This is the whole, I got one, one thought. It ain't no three-point sermon. This is one. I don't care how you're sinking. I don't care how you got there. I don't care how low you are. There's a fish somewhere coming by to at least offer some hope. God cared enough about you to put something in your life, to put somebody in your life. I believe God's a healer. I believe that he is the author of peace. He's the giver of joy. Depression is a real thing. And God performs miracles, and he performs miraculous healings. I believe wholeheartedly that the only way to overcome depression is from a miraculous healing. But that don't mean that we don't have to talk to people. It doesn't mean that we don't have to have help. We have this thing together. We need a fish. Amen? 
The way I made it through my deep, dark place was not just saying, hey, God, I need you to deliver me from this. I had to talk to somebody. Can he? Yeah. He delivered from you? Absolutely. But I don't want you to misunderstand and mis- I don't want you to get no misconception that I think that it's, it's belittled and depression and anxiety and these other struggles are, are, are belittled and it's just like, boom, God, snap your fingers and it's over. Sure, he can do that. But sometimes it takes a fish. And the whole thought process for this whole thing today is hope. Pull the seaweed off your eyes for long enough to get the glimpse of light to realize you ain't dead yet. You're not done. Sure, your mind is wrapped up. And you got some messed up thought processes going on. But it's not you. It's the effects of the ocean. Pull it off your face. There was a fish created a long time ago to pick you up and carry you through. I don't think that was a glorious process. I've never been in the belly of a fish, but I've cut some open, and they're pretty nasty. Right? I don't think it was clean. I don't think you got a five-star steak dinner in the belly of the fish. He rode in that fish's belly for three days and three nights. But when the fish was done, he was where he was supposed to be. I'm thankful for my personal life. And my story you heard last week, that when I laid up on the beach as a throwed up mess, when I brushed myself off and I was cleaned up, I was smack dab where I was supposed to be. There's hope today. If you're sinking, you're in over your head, I don't care if you put yourself there. A verse of scripture came to my mind this morning. I was listening to a song last night. I don't know when it was. Can you put that other verse up, please? Micah, chapter 7, verse 18. I like the book of Micah. I'm a little partial. Except Micah's name doesn't have an H on the end of it, but I still like Micah. This is in the NIV translation. Well, this one's actually not. I'm going to read it to you in the NIV translation. There's a word that I want you to get. It's just translated a little different. Like I said, who is a God like you who pardons and sins, pardons sin and the forgiveness and transgression of the remnant of his inheritance? That's a mouthful in itself. You and I are the remnants of his inheritance. You're the remnant. We're the leftovers. We're what's left here on this earth of God. Who is a God like you that would give forgiveness for our transgressions and our mistakes and our failures, our stupidities, our disobedience? But then I love what he says. He said, you do not stay angry forever, but delight to show mercy. That's a powerful punch. 
Jonah messed up. He failed miserably. He went the opposite direction of where he was created to go. But my Bible says that it delighted God to give Jonah mercy and save him from the bottom of the ocean. Did it disappoint him when he disobeyed? Sure. Did it break his heart? Sure. <laughs> Did he send hell after Jonah? Sure. But the Bible says that he delights in showing mercy. Who can play something soft for me, please? I don't know about you, but I need mercy. I fail often. I'm thankful that the Holy Spirit gives me a whooping so I know I failed. Just this week I was talking to somebody and I was extremely careful about the words that come out of my mouth, but when I got up, I still took a beating from the Holy Spirit. Because the words that come out of my mouth were not uplifting and encouraging and life. I'm thankful that the God that loves me, when I realize that I messed up, delights in giving me mercy. Did I disappoint? Sure. My babies make me mad. They're not here today. I'm going to talk about them. They make me mad. They frustrate me. I give my mama extra hugs now because I can only imagine how I frustrated her. But when my boy comes up and he grabs me around my neck, and he puts a big kiss on my cheek. I melt, and it delights my heart to give him mercy. I'm the soft one, especially with Michaela. Micah looks at me and says, you're soft. Okay, true. I won't deny it. But if I, as a dad, as an earthly father, delight in showing my baby's mercy, I don't think that you and I can begin to fathom what it delights our heavenly father to show mercy. We end up in the middle of the ocean for a lot of different reasons. It's not always because of disobedience. Sometimes life happens. We're not exempt from that. Sometimes life's just hard. But for whatever reason, we find ourselves in the ocean. Feeling like life is just over. I need you to be encouraged today to grab you some vision. Open your eyes. See some light. If nothing else, hallelujah, thank you for the cross, Lord. Even if I die in the bottom of this ocean, I love you, I thank you, and I get to see you again at the end of, the, at the end of this life. We walk into the next one.
just envision. I promise there was a fish created for you. Somewhere, sometime. God's got a purpose. He's got a plan. And long before you were ever even thought of, more or less jumped in the middle of your sea, there was a fish created to carry you and spit you out where God needs you to be. It's not a good scenario. It's hope. All I'm trying to do is offer you some hope. The fish stinks. It's nasty. I'm not going to pretend like it's, oh, I got a fish swallow me. It's, it's not like that. I believe the only way Jonah was able to sit in the belly of this fish and write this down and record his prayer was because it was better than death. I'm not talking about it being some glorious experience. You get to be thrown up, and then you get to clean yourself up, and then you walk in your purpose. The fish isn't a glorious experience, but it's better than death. I know without a doubt. We got enough people standing right here. I don't have to know you personally, but some of them, some of you I do. But there's enough people standing in this room to know that somebody, more than one, feels like you're almost on the bottom of the ocean floor and you're about to die. You've given up hope. You're tired of fighting. You don't understand. There's a fish coming. Because God knows exactly where you are. You've not been lost. You've not been forgotten. There's light. The sun is still shining. The seaweed's got you bound up and wrapped up so you can't see it. But God is, knows exactly where you're at. And there's a fish coming. It's not over. Here's what I want us to do. I need us as a family, as one, to come and let's gather around these altars for just a couple minutes. So then that one person that's at the bottom of the ocean, I need them to have the courage and the, I need them to be comfortable enough to walk into this and accept it. And so could we as a family for just a minute, would you come and let's gather right here for just a moment? I know what time it is. We'll be done in a minute. I understand that the organization of this message today was not textbook organization, but all I need you to get today is that there's hope. The whole purpose, the whole thought, everything is my prayer for the day. When I started, all I told you was I needed you to understand there's hope. And somebody needs some hope today. And so our prayer is going to be very simple. I want you to pray that God delivers us hope today. Maybe you're not sinking. Maybe you're not in the situation. That's fantastic. 
you've now been equipped with a thought process that you can offer hope to somebody else. It's very simple. Before Jonah ever even denied God, before he ever was disobedient, God created a fish to get him out of his mess. I just want you to pray that this body would feel hope today. Father, we need you, Lord. God, it's only natural that some of us would feel like we're drinking, that we're, that we're uh, drowning, Father, that we're sinking, that we're losing it all, God. God, that we have, we're struggling. Maybe we put ourselves in this place. Maybe it's just life that's tossed us into the middle of this storm. God, but I pray for the one today that doesn't have any hope. The one today that doesn't see light at the end of the tunnel. The one today that their mind's been wrapped up. Their vision's been taken away. Their purpose has been ripped from their heart. They don't see you. They don't see themselves. They don't see anything anymore, God. God, I pray that you give hope. Lord, you cared enough about Jonah knowing he was going to disobey. That you created a fish a long time before. And prepared that fish to be at the right place at the right moment to give Jonah some hope that it wasn't over. And God, I pray that you give us hope today. Father, it's by your stripes that we receive healing. God, and I thank you that you sent your son to receive the stripes for us. That we could receive hope, that we could receive healing for our soul. God, give us hope. Restore our hearts. It's not over. For somebody, Lord, the storm's going to last and it's going to go on. And that fish that's coming, the little bit of hope is not going to be the end. It's not going to be the victory, God, but it's going to be hope. It's going to be enough to carry us through. God, I pray that we be like Jonah when we're right in the middle of the, the drowning, God, when we're feeling like the waves have overtaken us and, and we're in over our head. I pray that we offer you a prayer of praise. We offer you a praise of sacrifice. God, that we offer you what it is you've called us to, Lord. We remember you. We're not forgotten, God, and I pray that we don't forget you. Lord, give us hope today. God, I thank you that you're a giver of mercy. And you delight in giving mercy. Father, we fail you so many times. Maybe there's one here today, God, that's fallen, that's mistaken, that they've disobeyed, God. They've disappointed you, Lord. I thank you that you're a giver and you delight in giving mercy. God, I pray that that person understand today there's hope. Because you delight in them, and you delight in giving them mercy. Father, I pray that as we walk out of this place today, we walk out with our heads up, with our spirits lifted, knowing, God, that there's hope in who you are. You've not forgotten us. We're not lost. But you've got a plan. I thank you, Lord. God, I pray blessings on your people. I pray that you bless our families, bless our homes, Father. You continue to bless 
and everything that our, we're doing, Lord, our efforts. God, as we're trying to do your will, we thank you for the way you poured out your blessings on us. God, today I thank you for hope. I praise your name. In Jesus' name, amen and amen.